Welcome to the Sun Island. Welcome, welcome. Sun Island Energy, Energy Bridge. We are excited today. Okay, um, we have Zahara Williams. Uh, we're going to be working with her, talking to her today about a lot of fun stuff. Uh, she is the owner of a Sweet 111 Counseling, Consulting and Counseling. Okay, so Zahara, I mean, you know, we've met before and I know you have a lot of experience with um, in, in different areas. Mm -hmm. And the main topic we're going to be delving in um, is going to be about betrayal. Okay. After Betrayal is your new book, one of your latest books, because I know you're working on a couple, right? I am. Okay. <laughs> um, so we're going to dive into that on today. But just like as a reminder, um, just kind of give me a little bit of your background so people kind of know who sure. is uh, disseminating the information that we're going to be receiving today. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, of course, my name is Zahara Williams. Um, I am originally from Detroit, Michigan. So um, that's where I was born and raised. I went to Clark Atlanta University for undergraduate school and then went back to University of Michigan for grad school. Um, I've been in Texas whew, just about 11 years. Uh, I've been trying to leave, but it just won't let me go. So here I am. <laughs> Um, but in reference to what we're going to speak on today, um, betrayal is one of those things that I come across as a therapist often with individuals. Um, I do mention in the very beginning of the book that, you know, just my own experience with betrayal and navigating it and how it can keep people really stuck um, and struggle with developing healthy relationships, you know, even trusting their own intuition and gut um, does it gets impacted by that. And so I figured, you know, there's only so many people you can sit in a room with and talk to in terms of therapy. So why not create a, an opportunity through a workbook, um, which I hope to expand um, beyond this, but a workbook in which individuals can do some work on their own while they're just kind of sitting at home in their quiet space um, to really do a lot of self-reflection, which is what essentially we do in therapy and just looking at patterns and behaviors, um, thought processes and things of that nature. So it's a combination of experiences, personal and professional, that helped me get to this point. <laughs> no, that's that's cool. I'm, I like that uh, <clears throat> that overview. And you touched on a couple of nice things that you explained just now. And uh, you did send me a copy of the book, uh, like e-copy, which, mm -hmm. I, which I liked. A couple of things that I liked about it was just the easy layout. Mm -hmm. It was an easy read, um, kind of break it down. <clears throat> And the specific thing that I personally liked about it was just the questions. Because mm. I think the best way to get through to people is if, you know, you're you're asking them questions so they can actually evaluate where their, their pain points mm -hmm. are. Uh, so let's just start with something basic. Um, what is betrayal? Betrayal uh, can be can come from a multitude of places and experiences in life in which one individual um, may encounter someone or something where they had an expectation and there was some malice um, in terms of intent. Um, when someone makes a promise that they're going to do something or even there's just kind of a societal expectation when we talk about children that might feel betrayed by their parents, that there's this idea that you have a nurturing, you're supposed to have a nurturing environment and that environment doesn't protect you in the way that you expect it to. And so betrayal is 
intentional malice. Um, sometimes it's just not consideration or lack of consideration for how the actions might have an impact negatively on someone else because they're so self-absorbed in what they're trying to get from a process or experience. Um, and then the impact, right? The impact can lead to a whole host of things. I don't know if you want me to go down that road right now, oh, yeah, no, but we'll, 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 I can go. We'll dig, we'll dig okay. <laughs> Intentional malice. Mm -hmm. you, you, you seem to say it that specific way. Does, does that mean that sometimes we think that we are betrayed, but we're not really betrayed? Yes. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> Absolutely. Sound. I talk about that a little bit it's in the work. Sound, on that so there are times where we may um, have an expectation from a situation or a person and that person's who they are and at their core doesn't align with what we expect them to. Right. And so when we don't get what we want um, in the way that we want it, we might feel like we are betrayed by that individual when in actuality we had expectations that sometimes we didn't convey. Right. Sometimes you, you have people, if you ever heard somebody say, I expected them to do, but did you talk to them about it? Well, no, they should just know. Right. Um, and so then there is this feeling of this person disregarded me, didn't consider me. Um, and there's a lot of other factors even regarding that in terms of how we perceive things to be in terms of expectations but we're not clones of each other, right? And mm -hmm. so someone else can have a completely different thought um, about what their intentions are. However, again, because we didn't get it the way we wanted to, um, it might feel like, well, they betrayed my trust or they betrayed, you know, they took advantage of me in some type of way. And that's not always the intent. So we have to do a little bit of step back and say, did we clearly articulate this to this person? Mm -hmm. um, did they were they in agreement with the what we set forth, um, or was it just an expectation that just wasn't fulfilled, mm. which is not doesn't have the malice intent attached to it? <clears throat> so you mentioned clone of ourselves, and uh, I'm not trying to sidetrack. No, nope, that's okay. Like that, but <laughs> there was a movie that came out. I watched it recently. Mm -hmm. called Clone Tyrone or Tyrone Clone? I've or... seen the title. I've seen it on social. <laughs> haven't watched it yet, but yeah, I'm familiar. I, I, watched it. <laughs> I watched it, and I think it's relevant in some terms to what we're going to be talking about in, in, in some sense, you know, because, okay. you know, it's, it's just a movie. But uh, essentially, you know, it's kind of like um, people are being implanted in neighborhoods and, and they just have a certain way of doing things and they keep doing what they're doing without not even knowing why they're doing what they're doing. Okay. Uh, and essentially they're clones of themselves, mm. um, kind of like an avatar almost, um, like the Matrix. It's like the hoodified version of Matrix. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> no, for real, real. And it's, you know, but you would see some betrayal just in general, folks being betrayed by, by family members, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And that's one specific thing that you brought up in uh, the in your, your workbook. How does one navigate being betrayed by a family member? What, what are some of the people who've done it successfully? What have you seen them done in your practice? So one of the things is um, acknowledging what happened, right? Not minimizing it or disregarding it because it truly does have an impact on how individuals show up in life and how they navigate life. So acknowledging that this 
this hurt, this pain, this expectation um, did not happen. This person did not nurture me in the way that I expected them to, whether they're a parent, a sibling, an aunt, an uncle, um, depending on what the specific situation is. And navigating it is also about forgiveness, which is really hard for some people because they say, I shouldn't have to forgive this act. Um, but when you do not forgive, um, you are holding on to it, and now it is now, in, a, in essence, impacting you, right? And so you're saying, now I'm being controlled by this instance that happened 5, 10, 15 years ago, saying I cannot trust anymore, um, I can't be vulnerable anymore with individuals because this one person, or even sometimes a couple of people did this thing to me, and that keeps individuals stuck. So forgiveness is part of it. Um, forgiveness does not mean that you have to have a long-standing relationship and do a kumbaya with the individual that did the betrayal. That is a, a misconception that betrayal um, and or forgiveness involves that, but it means I'm going to release the pain and not allow it to control me. Um, sometimes that involves writing a letter. We may send that letter or not, depending on how that, and there are usually several iterations of that letter. I tell people the first letter is just you doing kind of an emotional release or vomit. <laughs> just yeah, right. let it all let out. It out. That's you. not the one we're going to send if we're going to send it. Um, and we go, go That's the through. the first draft of the email That's, in your mind. Exactly, that first <laughs> yeah, draft and you, you. And you okay. backspace because you're like, uh -huh. okay, that was a little rough. It's hard to. Um, and then we look at what do you really want to say, right? Um, what are you looking at? What do you expect also, right? Um, because sometimes you are wanting forgiveness and it's, contingent upon are they going to be apologetic? Are they going to take responsibility? And that doesn't always happen for a myriad of reasons. Um, so really saying that I am in control of my healing journey mm -hmm. and not allowing someone else's acknowledgement of the betrayal, not acknowledging, um, not relying on someone else's decision to apologize and treat me right or whatever that may be to be the catalyst for my own healing. So it really is taking responsibility um, and doing some processing of how it's impacted you in um, work, personal relationships, how you feel about yourself, all of those things, and we go from there. So those that are willing to do the work is obviously not an overnight thing. Um, we have some people like, okay, you know, we've been doing this three sessions. Well, that's not, you've been holding on to this for 15 years. So oh, that's not okay. exactly how the process works. That's laying it on thick. Right? <laughs> that's, that's not how the process works. Yeah. It is a, it truly is a journey in terms of healing. Um, and it really is peeling back layers of, of things, not just that experience, but then the things that have come after that, right? Um, then sometimes there's even someone's own need to forgive self for holding on to that and then let allowing it, so to speak, to have an impact on other areas. We're definitely talking about uh, self-betrayal uh, and, and, and mm -hmm. forgiveness as we progress. Um, what you said is very important for people to understand, but let's talk about Christine a little bit. Okay. Right? <laughs> so I, I'll just give the overview of, sure. of Christine some and, and then... You can um, elaborate. Okay. Okay. So from my memory, uh, Christine grew up with, and it's from your book. It's mm -hmm. a story from your book. And while I was reading this, I'm like, y you tell stories so beautifully. Thank I, you. They almost seem like they could be animated, anim animated, okay. and put up somewhere, and people would 
tune into them for some mm-hmm. dramatic, <laughs> like a little mini soap opera. Right, mini, mini. <laughs> yeah. So, so Christine, um, uh, mom raised her, and basically, all she known about her is that her dad was that he was never interested in having a kid. Correct. And this is what she's known all her life, all the way up, I think, until 24 years mm-hmm. age, age. And um, got married, got kids. Uh, her, she, her husband um, convinced her uh, in some sorts to do like a DNA lineage mm-hmm. thing. And she got a hit and it's her father. And he, I think, reached out to her almost immediately. And... There was a conv- uh, there was a meeting of sorts, and then it so happened that her mom lied to her, which is mm. utterly betrayal yeah. in all sense. I kind of just give that overview, but what are some of the good and what are some of the bad scenario, life scenario that mm-hmm. plays out in a in that common, unfortunately, right. common situation of betrayal within um, mother and daughter, go ahead, or um, son or whatnot? It's, so there's, I, I say there's always opportunities for growth, even from some of the most painful situations, if we're willing. Um, and so in this particular scenario or anything that's similar to it, it is, one, you have the opportunity to gain insight into things that you felt like you were, because she she was one, like many, who longed for this experience, right? And now she has an opportunity to, obviously, you cannot go back and relive, you know, the past 25, 30 years, but you do have an opportunity to start something new, right? And so that's the beauty of it, is when the connection happens, you can take it and run with it, right? Um and have this evolution and have a greater understanding, even of yourself, right? Particularly when individuals, because we talk about nature versus nurture, um, some individuals find like, why am I this way, right? And then when you get more history, you're like, oh, it makes sense, right? <laughs> no, this person wasn't in my life, but it makes sense that we we mimic behaviors or we have some of the same um, patterns that we didn't even realize, it, you know, where it came from, right? And so that's the beauty of it is is that. And then also the lessons learned that you can share with other people, right? Um, if we think about um, some of the most powerful and impactful movements, they came from pain. Mm, true. Right. And they, as people tell their story, they have an opportunity to, one, help with their own cleansing and release, but also educate other people who are struggling and feel like they are alone. Uh, when individuals have painful experience, it often feels like you are isolated. No one understands. Um, and that, unfortunately, can be further from the truth. So there are other people that understand you and that can support you along your journey or you can support them however it works. Of course, a challenge on the opposite end is then it creates maybe a d- divide between that mother and that mother and child in terms of I trusted you. I believed you. Not, what else have you lied to me about? Because yeah. if you lied about this, what what, uh, what are the secrets, which is a whole other thing in terms of communities and secrets um, that people don't like to share. And so some people are able to come back from that if they do the work in terms of accountability That's and letting go. Work, it is. It is work, but I've seen it Man, happen. You're 24 years old, <laughs> if, you, if you take half mm-hmm. of your... The 24, that's not out of 12 years, and to even 
come up to a real resolution. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. And it's it may be a year. It may be two years. It depends on the work that the individuals are willing to do. And the work is not easy. And I also talk about that, right? Yeah. This is not an easy journey where you're like, okay, let me just read this and write this out. And okay, now I made a decision. That's not it. Yeah. There actually has to be implementation mm -hmm. that happens in your life on a regular basis and tweaking it as you go to figure out what makes sense for you. And those those implementation are essential. But what I I would imagine or would even argue that some people they don't even know to articulate. Oh, absolutely. Their pain. Absolutely. Or they don't even know the uh, emotion that they're feeling and I mm -hmm. see in your book you list like and that's why. That is the absolute and reason. Lists, mm -hmm. right? A lot of lists. And you could just go over them. But two jumped out at me. Okay. And I think you've mentioned them at some time when we spoke. I'm not sure if I heard it from you directly. Okay. But it was shame and guilt. Mm -hmm. And I've heard somewhere, I think it might be from you, that shame and guilt are mm -hmm. to the most useless emotion someone can ever feel. Was it you that I heard? I don't know that I said that. Um, <laughs> they're not helpful. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. They're not helpful, yeah, but, but yeah. And the reasoning was behind, if if I'm recollecting, mm -hmm. recollecting properly, was you can't really do much with them. Because like, say for example, if you're angry, you can find ways to you know, get rid of your anger, you know, if you're sad or depressed. But when you guilt, like guilt is something in the past. Mm -hmm. And shame is sometimes the guilt that you did in the past. So how are you going to, yeah. you know, how will that help you essentially? Right. Um, how do you help people articulate those feelings, any type of emotion that they have? And I would like your opinion on guilt and shame specifically. Sure. So one of the so one of the reasons that I put it, you know, all of those list of emotions in the book is because I do know that people get very um, stuck on happy, sad, and mad, right? Um, anger for some people is very the thing that's socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. Sad is this perception of weakness, um, particularly for men, right? You're not supposed to feel sad. That's not okay. It you know it has a negative connotation when in reality you're responding to a human experience and I believe you're human first right you are a human having a natural response to a life experience that impacted you and being able to identify the emotions doesn't mean that obviously they are indicators of who you are it just means that this is how I'm responding or this is what I'm experiencing as a result of whatever the encounter was or life experience so we go through and look at what do you actually feel and defining those things? And if let's say someone, I'm having a clinical indication of something and I'm like, mm, I wonder if that's shame, right? Mm -hmm. I, and, and I ask them to define what is that like for you? Because sometimes people have um, a misconception of what shame is mm -hmm. or even what guilt is and how that shows up in their life. So we actually break down, not just have the words, but we break it down. What does it mean to you? Um, how has that been beneficial for you? And so then when we get to guilt and shame, are they useless? I'm not going to say that they're beneficial, but I will say that they are a natural response to a human experience. Okay. Right? Now that you feel it, let's talk about where this comes from. Who told you? Where did you learn that this is a shameful thing that you did? Mm. What did you learn that you are responsible? So there's a... 
a treatment modality that we I use when I'm working with individuals with trauma, and we talk about the difference between being responsible for something, having a degree of accountability for something, and being guilty. Like you, guilt is usually there is that malice intent that's attached to it. Like I'm gonna go in and rob a store and you had intentions of doing something and now you feel bad for maybe the outcome that you intended to do. Guilt and shame um, are not the same as something happened. I didn't know what the anticipated outcome was going to be, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't go in with malice intent, but I still feel bad about it. And so we we, we kind of really break that down for individuals, Um and help them understand, like, did you feel responsible or accountable or did you go in with malice intent? And so when they're able to clarify, like, no, I didn't, you know, I mean to cause harm um, to someone, which is usually the case, not always, uh, then it's able to release some of that for them, right? And then we talk about unpacking how they defined other things, right, in which they've carried this burden on for, for some of them years. Um, and that means sometimes they overcompensate in other areas, trying to make up for the past indiscretion that they believe they're responsible for. And we talk about how that is really counterproductive in a lot of ways um, to their recovery. So not, I, get, I guess I get a little personal. I'm not the type to forgive very easily. Okay. Like, so... And I see how that impacts me in mm. certain ways. I try to keep my circle very small okay. <laughs> for that simple reason. Because I'm not trying to bring anybody in to give them the opportunity to potentially okay. cause me not to want to forgive them for something that they, they do. Mm. Um, so people who don't forgive, I know, and I also know prevention is better than cure. <laughs> So that just that's, that's just, what you're gonna go with. Okay. That's just, that's just my that's just my way to keep my circle tiny, uh, right? Okay. Yeah. So and I like how you said that. So what are some of the story us as individuals tell mm -hmm. ourselves to kind of keep us in a box? Yeah. Um uh, there's what we call automatic negative thoughts. And there is quite a few. There are 10 major ones. One is catastrophizing, like thinking the worst about the situation before it happens. Um, there is also feelings, right, focused on the feelings and not the facts, right? You're almost like you have this crystal ball and you can, you know what's going to happen. Right, At least yep. that's what you tell yourself, uh -huh, right? Uh -huh. um, there is also taking responsibility. Like if I don't put myself in this situation, then I don't have to worry about any potential backlash or negative so we talk about fortune telling catastrophizing all of these are generally what we call anxiety provoking thoughts right yeah. how is that beneficial for you okay. like for you you mentioned that it helps me not allow people the potential to come in right but the other side of that if we look at the whole picture oh, yeah, yeah. is that it also prevents you from maybe having other beautiful connections that could be purposeful for your growth personally financially business, whatever the case may be. So then you're cutting yourself off because you said, I don't have the capacity and it's not worth it. And I talk about that in here too, right? It's not even worth the potential joy because, because of the narrative that I'm telling myself. And you touched on childhood um, and just different type of trauma that could allow to us having those and as you, you said automatic negative thoughts yes. or mm -hmm. just scenario 
And you mentioned <clears throat> in the book, uh, you know, about uh, children and, and nature and nurture mm -hmm. in, in, in those type of terms. And I, just for myself personally, I could actually see where something like that would come from, mm. why I would try to keep my circle as small. And that's like legit family. Mm -hmm. um, because just, just growing up, I mean, <clears throat> my mom just had a lot of just sibling. There was a lot of sibling, right? Many, many kids that their parents had. And, and her dad had gotten sick for many years, mm. many years. So uh, many years. I know she's got, she hadn't even gotten, what they call that, fatigue, when you had to take care of a loved one. Compassion, Compassion fatigue. fatigue. Mm -hmm. She's gone through it because it's been years. This guy's been sick since, from my whole memory, uh, unfortunately, until he passed in 2020. Um, and, I mean, lots of kids, like, maybe like eight, nine, ten children. I know that ten children, she was really honestly, and I can say this, like, on a podcast, mm. was literally the only one that really stood stood by the guy. Mm. And she would share these amazing story of how great of a daddy was. And I'm like, well, what did this guy do for them not to want to take care of him in his old age? Okay. And I saw that just coming up from my whole childhood. And I'm like, man, this this is painful. Mm. It's it's a deep level of betrayal. That's how I saw it. Okay. It did two things for me. It made me love my mom more. But it also made me guarded mm. about certain extended type of deal. Um, so folks who go through that and, and they see that and they... they you know, they want to recover. What are some of the insights that you could potentially give them to help them be like, okay, well, this happened and you saw that, but that doesn't mean you need to restrict right. your growth because of it. So now we're talking about having one experience, which was impactful, right? Childhood is the most impactful. You learn a lot of lessons about life and you take those in those formative years and apply them in a lot of cases to your adulthood. Um, I would say that consider, one, I often ask people, how is this helpful for you, right? And what ways is this really beneficial? Because we do things because we feel like they're beneficial for some reason, right? So we would unpack that, this idea that it's beneficial, but also, as you talked about the questions, how has this maybe been restrictive for you, right? Like really, you can determine that, not me, right? Really, yeah. um, and then we also look at so how it's been helpful, how it's been maybe been restrictive for you. And I don't want to say fair, that's not necessarily the word I want to use, but thinking that I have now apply this one experience to all future experiences is there logic in that and we want to get into the logical aspect of <laughs> tell me how it makes sense that this experience with this person with the billions of people that you're surrounded with now becomes the blueprint for how you operate with everybody else yeah that's right? that's deep um what <clears throat> has helped me to kind of realize that it's it's a useless, uh, it's not benefiting me at all, was kind of just seeing how she navigated it, right? It, it, she wasn't happy about it for years. Mm -hmm. And then 
over the last recent years, honestly, after he passed, is like, is that you think she would be even more mad, but she kind of just let it go. And she actually said um, that it's some of it is to me, because I was always every time she, because you know you vent to your yeah. teacher. Yeah. Every time she'd vent to me, all mm. my thing was forgiveness, yeah. forgiveness, and my thing was like, that's like mom, that's like you taking poison and expecting something to happen. You know, don't don't just let it go, let it go, let it go. And uh, just over the years of me telling her let it go. Uh, she she did. Okay. She totally did, and she's she's very happy that she do a lot of forgiveness in that. How does forgiveness change one's perspective on betrayal? If that question makes sense. It's it's freedom. freedom it's okay. light. <laughs> it's not like you're carrying around like this heavy burden um, and load on just the ideas about life and what you have the opportunity to explore and experience because when individuals are stuck in betrayal, they're very limited in their scope, right? And then the possibilities because they said, I cannot do this because this is going to happen, right? That worst case scenario thinking, I cannot go here because this is going to happen. I cannot, right? They tell themselves all the limiting beliefs, um, which really hinders their opportunity to have, again, beautiful experiences, growth, et cetera, um, even about themselves. And so when they're able to walk in forgiveness for those that choose that path, because it is a choice, um, then they're able to say, I can breathe a little bit. Mm. I don't feel so heavy. I don't have so much because it's not just a feeling. It also is a physical manifestation Um, because I work with individuals with chronic pain. And so when people talk about stress in the back of their neck um, and they have migraine uh, as you adjust (laughs) (laughs) in their lower back, you know, in their shoulders, like people carry, you know, it becomes internal. Even when people talk about developing ulcers, like that is in part stress induced, like all of these things happening to your body that you are holding on to. Um, and so when you're able to do work, which is why some people use alternative treatments such as yoga and acupressure and, you know, dance just as a way of having some type of outlet physically, um, those can also be beneficial. I go for runs. Or go for runs, right? But it's... Um, it's having that release, uh-huh. right? But not not saying I'm going to go for a run, but still hold on, right? Yeah. <laughs> it has to be a therapeutic uh, process for, for an individual. That, that, that family trauma is real. Oh, like, absolutely. It will, it, will, it will creep up and just just how you view stuff, it alters how you view stuff. Because, no, I got girls, like all girls, right? Mm-hmm. Four of them. And all of this is weird. Okay. <laughs> this is, I don't know. Is uh, I'm not. I haven't said it to them directly. So, <clears throat> but it's like in my head, I'm like, I don't even like them fussing at each other. Mm. Like you know, like simple little children banter. Mm-hmm. That is, I know it's a ch- child banter because yeah. my me and my brother used to fight all the time. But no, we love each other. We, we we've always loved each other, right? But we have a really tight loving bond um but because of what i saw with my mom and her sisters if i see my little girls even just i'm like y'all better stop it because in my mind i'm viewed like that's so you 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 see what i'm trying to yeah, say? I see it, it's, it, it's deep yeah it's very deep yeah. so um 
you know, those type of trauma is real. And sometimes sometime I think people uh, will try to be have a bravado about it mm-hmm. and figure that, oh, I can handle this. I know exactly how to deal with it. When in fact, the when in fact the b- blueprint that they had was totally out of whack. Right. You see where I'm coming from? Yeah. Um, for an individual who needs to get help with whatever that they're facing, and they think that they just kind of got it. What What would be your recommendation for those individuals to say, "Hey, you know what?" I got certain things, but I don't got certain things. Yeah. How do they ask for help? Um, one is not feeling like you have to do it alone because there is this idea that it's my problem. Nobody wants to hear about it. Um, there are no resources. There are plenty of resources available. Even if you're not going to a therapist for individual sessions, there are group sessions that are, you know, $30, $40 a session. Like, there are opportunities um, for people for people to do that. Um Seeking out your support system, your tribe, whomever that may be. Um, Doing some self-help books. That also can be helpful. Like doing the work, but not just writing. Again, implementation and having accountability along the journey. So one of the things I talk about um, in the workbook is when individuals have an injury, Mm. right? Athlete, you you understand injury, right? Injury recovery, does that come by you just sitting at home? No, just you got to be working out, lifting weights, running. And is that comfortable when you've had an injury? No. Correct, right? It's going to be uncomfortable. Expect that, right? Expect that it's going to be an uncomfortable process as opposed to saying, I want it to be easy and light and it is it is work to get anything that's beautiful um, to get to healing. It is it is a process. So if you think about physical therapy, most people don't want to go to physical therapy. They got to take time out of their day. And I ring my ankle the other day running, and I I told my wife I was like, babe, this ankle gonna have to fall off because I'm not stop running. Okay. <laughs> because the last time I ring my ankle, I used it as an excuse to stop running. So you just. You go from here to here. Just know <laughs> we need to work no, on every swing. Like, hey, <laughs> this thing is going to have to fall off this time. Because I think the last time I was trying, ah, I'm going to try to do it, build back into it, and I just never did. But keep going with the point that you're making, trying well, to get healed. So, mm-hmm. so you're also comparing yourself to your past self, right, and saying that because I did this before, this is how it's always going to be. Yeah. So I cannot stop, as opposed to saying I learned from that lesson. I know that I need to heal properly because I know if I overexert myself, that's going to have negative consequences and it's going to fall off. <laughs> or, <laughs> or I can give it time. I can do stretches. I can maybe do shorter runs um, and then build back up as opposed to saying that, well, because this happened before, it's always going to happen. So I cannot go that route and I don't want to feel guilty mm. um, about doing that. So, And it's a lesson and it's a, you know, you don't, Learn and then do things perfectly once you learn the lesson, right? We're going to have pitfalls along the journey. That is part of it. Um, and being okay with that. Being okay mm. with it not being a perfect process. Mm. Yeah, that's perfection is the downfall, mm-hmm. I would think, for a lot of people. Because, like, I, <clears throat> the, the reason why I, for myself, just navigate a lot i Mm self-educate i read a lot of different books um on people who know more than i do 
and I consume information about just different type of habits and how to use those habits to propel you forward. You did mention, you know, how people sometimes um, are, are seeking perfection. But what happened if, because you know you have some people out there, they're just perfection-minded. It's like, if you don't go this way, I'm going to stop. Mm-hmm. What can you tell them to help them? <laughs> kind of like, you know, my leg break, or I'm not going to do it. Like, you know, my right. ankle fall off, or I'm going to not do nothing. Like, I know that's that's common. I mean, that was just me giving you my example, yeah. but I know it's very common. Yeah. Help people understand how so, to navigate that scenario. Well, we would go back to where did this idea that if it doesn't go this particular way, that it can't go at all. What did you Where did you learn that from? Um, what do you think will happen if you try it and it does not manifest or happen in the exact way that you expected it to happen? Because that's, again, that's a fear response. Um, and sometimes it is because maybe they were judged or criticized, criticized harshly, and they're like, I need to do it perfect. And so they take that on as this idea that in order to be accepted, to be loved, to be appreciated, that it has to be done a certain way. Um, some people, of course, have the, the fear of failure, and that's kind of where a little bit of the self-betrayal creeps into to place, right? Um, being driven by all of these fears and anxieties, or even not just even trusting your own intuition about something. What are you passionate about? Um, what do you desire to see in your life? And that's what you honor and allow to be the catalyst for how you navigate life, not the fear, mm. right? And, and some, um, some people say, do it afraid. Know that it's not meant to be like this easy. Even, um, I don't know, for you as an athlete, you know, before you did a race, did you ever feel like any jitters or nervousness? Be coming up as an athlete, you know, in, in D1 sports, running the hurdles, up to today is some of the best experience, how it has shaped me mm-hmm. mentally. Um, say now what I think a lot of people call anxiety, I'm, mm-hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> I felt it. I felt it every week in college, um, preparing mm-hmm. for a race, especially when I know it's a big race. From Wednesday, it's every Saturday. So by Wednesday, um, my stomach is already in a knot. Right. Right? My stomach is already in a knot. But it's not a knot that get me scared. Mm-hmm. It's a knot to say, hey, practice is at 3, you better be there at 2.45, 3 the latest. Okay. Okay? It's the knot that, I um, want to throw up when I'm working out, but I'm just going to keep working mm. because I remind myself that my competitor is trying to outwork me. Okay, so let's bring that note to the work mm-hmm. world. When I started working uh, a regular nine to five and I would sit in my cubicle and a deadline was coming up, I felt the same knot. And I kind of just associated, oh, this is just, I just need to improve. Mm. I didn't take it as my coworker would come over to my desk and, oh my God, this thing is happening. I'm like, dude, this is normal. Yeah. It's just a signal in your head telling you you need to do better. Right. Um, so for me as an athlete, it it has helped me, and from from a perspective standpoint. So that's kind of like how being an athlete would 
have me navigate anxiety okay. or angst. In, yeah. So you allowed it to propel you forward, right? You told you told yourself that I have to practice in order to, because I know this, transferable skills. You already have the skills. It's about transferring it to another area of your life. That's why I brought that up, because yeah. you don't stop uh -huh. because you feel anxious. Like, I, I danced for years. Before I performed, I would feel like, whew, just like a nervousness in my system. Um, but once you get out there, you just go, right? Um, and that's normal, right? It's not the feeling that's the problem. It is submitting to it and allowing it to control you, that is. That's also the key, right? Um, and often when individuals have anxiety about something, about the fear of starting a relationship because they've been betrayed, it is the, the perception and that self-talk is far greater in terms of problematic and challenging than the actual experience. Usually when people have anxiety, once they do a thing, they're like, oh, that wasn't so bad, mm -hmm. right? Um, but when they hold on to it, it keeps them stuck. So they never get to get to the other side to see that it wasn't bad, right? They keep telling themselves that, no, it's going to be problematic. I can't allow people in. I got to keep my, my circle small. I cannot trust people. I cannot be vulnerable. They're going to take advantage. Just a, a whirlwind of thoughts that happen for people. And instead of saying, let me see, because this person is not my mother who betrayed me. This person is not that past partner who betrayed me. I even talk about religious betrayal in here. Yeah. This person is not that parishioner or pastor or deacon or whoever that took advantage of me. Is that really religious betrayal though, or is that just an occult? People just get caught in an occult. Just it can be both. Yeah, it can be both, right? A call is where um, you have more of, and I'm not a subject matter expert, so I will say that. Um, a call is more of where you have this one person and everybody flocks to them, and they, you know, they have this idea or belief that this is the the person on earth that's supposed to help save me and I have to live this particular way and with all of these restrictions, that's the only way to whatever it is they'd want to ascend to um, and live and be accepted by the creator if they believe in that yeah. versus uh, betrayal. You know, people can have financial betrayal in the religious sector, right, where they've trusted someone and given them finances, et cetera, for a specific cause that was not... Uh, fulfilled, right? It could be we we hear a lot about um, in certain churches of sexual assault, right? Trusting your children to go to this place where they're supposed yeah. to be safe, um, and so I wouldn't say those fall within the realm of cult. That is truly someone using their power and/or influence to manipulate, cause wreck havoc, really in people's lives, because those things can have very long-lasting effects on individuals. So. Yeah. So yeah, that bit that uh, religious betrayal is is a thing. But now some people, because there obviously religion has been around for eternity mm -hmm. and it's going to be around for eternity, Absolutely. and and because it helps, it helps yeah. individual have faith, hope, and you know people believe what they believe, and that's great. Um, we all. Again, we'll swing from one pendulum sometime to a next. Yeah. And then people use that as excuse. Well, everybody in the church is an hypocrite, so I ain't going to go to church. Mm -hmm. And there's so many other things the church could do for you. Right. Like it could create a sense of community. Mm -hmm. It could let you find yourself. It could do so much more. Um, 
again, that it seemed like that's a common theme where I where I go. Where yeah, why does it have to be all this extreme? Like, why is there no middle ground? <laughs> oh my word, that's the, that's the. <laughs> all I'm gonna say, I'm not. To... I'm gonna do a disclaimer. I'm not, you know, here in a therapeutic capacity. Yeah. Just talking about the book. However, yeah, yeah, yeah. just because you mentioned it, yeah. um, that same flexibility that you have. Right. With that idea that everybody's not the same. It has all these benefits. Mm. Consider application to this idea that I have to have a small group of people mm-hmm. because the same narrative that you told yourself. That's what I'm going to say. Yes. OK. No, no, right? yeah. you, you see you're able to apply it to certain areas or people in general. It's not mm-hmm. uncommon are able to see the vast array of options in some area. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to their personal life. They, uh, they they just disregard all the skills that they develop <laughs> in the logic and the processing because this fear of that anxiety, this fear of being hurt again and wanting to control it's a whole nother part, right? Uh, this idea that we can control or predict how things will will be. It's one thing if you have an intuitive sense. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to say that I need to make sure I know because there's so many other factors in play that we have no control of right. really when it boils down to it. So being able to release that. You said, uh, intuitive. Uh, you mentioned a couple of times about gut feeling. Mm-hmm. What, what is that really? And yeah, what is it? It is. So we have, you know, this idea that we have to have scientific, tangible evidence for something. And an intuitive knowing is you have a sense of something, Right. You don't, and it's unexplainable. Like there is no necessarily no evidence to support it, but you just know, right? You know not to go down that particular street. You know that you should do something, and you're like, ah, why is this? Where is this push coming from? Like there is something, and it's it's easier for people that really are in tune with themselves. It's a little harder for people, um, just in my experience, that are constantly bombarded with noise, distractions. Uh-huh. Music, social media, you know, other people's opinions, et cetera, because um, they're almost trying to drown out. That's a whole other thing about sitting, being able to sit with yourself in silence and, mm-hmm. you know, feel and experience what comes up. Um, but, yeah, intu- intuition is just like a knowing that necessarily cannot be explained. And it's usually very spot on. And you're like, I don't I just knew I sensed it. Um, and it's, you know, I like to say it's a gift that we have. I'm in sales and that's kind of what I do for work. Mm-hmm. I, I talk to people about getting solar panels for their homes. And I, sometimes I can tell if somebody's going to buy from me within the first three seconds okay. of meeting them. Yeah. Like they, their spirit take me and my spirit know that they t- their spirit mm-hmm. took me. Is that that gut fit? But this is me going in hundreds of thousands of homes probably over years. Okay. <laughs> so is it that is that like sixth sense that you build yeah, up? You have a you have an, you've like, had an engagement real. with like, so many people yeah. that you can tell what qualities um, and whether or not somebody is open or you know sometimes it's body language, sometimes it's their tone, sometimes it's their eye contact or lack thereof. Kind of crazy. Is it over time that you develop that gut feeling or sixth sense? Because sometimes. It could even be a smell. Mm-hmm. It could just be how their house smell. Okay. It could just be how they looked at me. Mm-hmm. It could just be the the yes. feeling of the handshake. I'm like, they're gonna buy from me. Mm-hmm. It's just or there's no way. I probably should leave in ten minutes because they're gonna waste my time. <laughs> <laughs> 
but is your time you, really wasted? That's another story. Not like that. <laughs> yeah, like, but yeah. Where I'm coming from though. Yeah. Um, energy get, transference. Energy like you sense, you sense is that whether not what that is. Is yeah, that a sense, good feeling? Uh, in some ways, like you just, it's a knowing that you cannot necessarily explain. But there's also when you're in the presence. So intuition doesn't require you to be in the presence of somebody else, right? The energy is, I sense they are open to me and I'm open to them, right? Mm -hmm. I sense that they are going to consider, you know, what I'm saying, et cetera. So you've, you develop that skill, mm -hmm. whether it was intentional or not, over the time that you've been doing the work that you've been doing. Yeah. And you just, whether it was a conscious decision and you were taking notes, like, okay, if they look at me this way, how, long, how much time do they give me when they talk to me? Are they having rebuttals? Like you just, you start to pick that up and it just becomes like second nature more than anything. Yeah. I think that's what it is. Speaking of, I, there's betrayal. So betrayal in business. Okay, mm, okay, we didn't talk about that we did not. specifically, okay. or it's not like in the book, mm -hmm. like specifically, but it, it did occur to me when I was reading that that is something that I would want to talk about okay. is betrayal in business. Mm -hmm. So I think on my last podcast, um, I was talking to an individual and we're mentioning that it's so hot. It, one of the best thing is to find that individual who's kind of not just like you, or they are, they may not just be exactly like you, but mm -hmm. they have certain quality that are opposite sometimes, and it will help your business propel. Yeah. So, like, if you're a CEO or whatever, you, you, you need somebody to operate, right? You want to be the rainmaker, but you want this person who's maybe a little bit more organized than you, who can like put... A-type personality. They yeah, who can put and the organized. process, who mm -hmm. can put these ideas that you bring up mm -hmm. into actual flow and you can bring the business in and they can process mm -hmm. the business right that is a, a great relationship mm -hmm. if you can find them okay right so and i find that if you are betrayed in business mm -hmm. it makes it double hard in my opinion because when it's family you can be like okay you know, it's my family, it's blood, I'll get over it. Sometimes when it's business and it's money and it's different stuff like that, it's like a hard line that just cut you off at the knee mm. because this person did something wrong. And then it's hard to find the type of... It, it, it breaks you off from not finding the individuals that could actually help you. Mm. What could you give? What type of advice you could give to like a, a business owner who's who are looking for partners or looking for people to bring in in their circle to help them essentially mm -hmm. grow their business? Do your due diligence, right? Look at the work that they've done, right? Mm -hmm. Look at the relationships that they have. Um, Look at how they engage with you and their level of interest and commitment. Have your documents in order. So, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> operating agreements, non-disclosures, whatever it is that you need yep. um, to make sure those things are, are in order to protect yourself as well. And, you know, you talk about that. We talked about in, this intuition and, and gut feeling. Be mindful of that. Like, because somebody could look amazing on paper, right? They could look like the perfect match on paper, but you're like, something just, I don't know. I just not, 
trust it. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> There's no clinical anything to trust it. It's it's telling you something for a reason, right? Um, that's also important. But also know that even if the partnership does not work out, there could still be some lessons that you can learn from it, right? Corporations don't become, you know, Fortune 500s because they did everything right. And I think particularly when it comes to entrepreneurs, we become stagnant in some ways because we are expecting to do everything right and have all of the right partnerships, you know, perfectly, et cetera, instead of, you know, taking some risk, right, um, sometimes. So I think that it is looking at what's on paper, but is there, uh, is there, is it a good energy, right, in the air? Is this person passionate? What are their relationships like? What is their past work like? I mean, you want to look at all of that when you're making a decision and not just because, oh, that's my homegirl or, you know, my friend recommended him or they're, you know, whomever that may be because sometimes we go what's within our our circle of influence or where we can connect. And sometimes we need to step outside of that by going to networking events and um, getting coaching or whatever it is that you need to, to help you grow and develop. But, but there are... I think several steps that can be helpful with that process. And uh, what are some of the biggest misconceptions folks have as it relates to betrayal? Like just misconception. Um, the misconception, well, one of them is that that person's intentions were malice. So that's when we go back to the the clarity in terms of how we've had a conversations. Um, that it has to mean that I can never allow anyone in in that particular, or I can never rely on people, right? Because sometimes it is being let down over and over again for some individuals. I can never rely on people. So the misconception is I cannot trust, I cannot rely, I cannot be vulnerable, I cannot heal, right? That this has impacted me so deeply that healing is not possible. You have the autonomy to determine whether or not healing is possible. You have the autonomy to determine whether or not you want to do the work, whatever that looks like for you, mm. um, to get to a point of healing. And those are kind of really the big things. And really looking at, because some people say, what well, hasn't affected me? Come on now. Listen. Uh. <laughs> okay. Let's look at, let's do some, some serious self-reflection and see how it may have shown up. And now, if it has not affected you in any type of way, let's sit down and chat. I want to talk to you, right? Um, but when you look at your business relationships, how you feel about yourself, what you eat, where you go, um, your personal relationships, your relationship with families, it is showing up high probability in some type of way. So um, to think that it has zero effect, that's very unlikely. Not impossible. So I would say that's also a misconception. No, I'm, I'm past that. I moved on. I'm I'm okay. How did you get past it? How did you heal? What was your process? Where are you at now? Have you done the self-reflection? And then we can say, okay, I can see how you, you've healed. The mm -hmm. whole time you were talking, that's this, you said the word that was in my mind, self-reflection. Mm -hmm. Is that a skill? And how do you acquire that? It definitely is a skill. It does not come just because you are born into this world. <laughs> um, for some people, maybe a little easier than others. Um, other people see their parents do it. Um, they learn from friends. We're influenced by a whole lot of different, you know, aspects in society and life. Um, it has to be intentional, generally, uh, that I'm going to sit down and say, okay, how am I showing up? Some people go to therapy, and that's how they learn to say, 
okay, I didn't, you know, why do I keep going through this? Well, let's look at how you show up. Let's look at your patterns, your thought process, et cetera, um, to get to a point where you are able to then do that on your own and be mindful and then say, what changes, if any, do I need to make or shift? Or, or what do I want to keep, right? Because mm. some people say, you know, I don't like the way this is, but I'm comfortable with who I am and I don't want to change in that regard. And that's also okay. Um, so it's definitely a learned skill that requires intention um, for most people. Yeah. Mental health in the black community, it's, uh, it's definitely a big thing. Mm. And the reason why I would say it's a big thing is for the simple fact that it's hella taboo. When I say way taboo, most of the time is like you're weak if you have mental issues mm. uh, or if you can't overcome, like, say, for example, a loss of yeah. a loved one. As a community, how do individual figure out how to actually deal with loss or different scenario to keep a sound mental health? Oh, that's how can I answer that very shortly? It's a question. <laughs> so um, loss is one of my my areas of expertise, so to speak. And the challenge is that we are taught how to acquire a lot of things, but not what happens when those things are no longer available to us or when they leave us um, or when they're taken from us, whatever the case may be, that loss in experience. Um, sometimes that loss is of abilities, your physical ability. So loss can encompass a whole lot of things, right? And navigating that is one, looking at, so one of the things I tell when I'm working with individuals with grief and loss is, if you look at that individual's whole life, right, not just their, their life was more than the day they died. That's actually the, the, the phrase that I use, right? And so that's not to disregard or invalidate the feelings of pain associated with that individual no longer being there, but it does give you a sense to have a more balanced perspective on what that encounter was with what we're talking about an individual, right? If it is a, let's say a job, right? What did you learn and gain from that experience, right? And what would be, because sometimes there's purpose in loss, right? Sometimes things are taken from us. Sometimes it pushes us to move outside of our comfort zone because we get very complacent. Um, so that's also another way to look yeah, at it. Yeah, that's why I'm glad I was fired from corporate America. I would have never find my direction in life. Yeah. So that wasn't. That was a loss, right? That was a loss, and they have felt devastating maybe at some point. At the point, yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But but, uh, it may have felt devastating at some point, but you sometimes realize that there is purpose, Purpose. even in things that are no longer with us that we desire, because we are taught to acquire, hold on, and hold on tight to things, right? And then sometimes when things leave us, we also personalize it like, They left me if it's a breakup. They left me because something was wrong with me, right? Or they left because they needed something else and it wasn't about you, right? Or maybe they weren't ready or, you know, maybe there are some things that they needed to navigate on their particular journey. Um, It's not always about us. 
when when those things happen and change. Even with corporations, they have to make decisions, right? It's not about you as an individual and saying, we're going to get rid of him specifically because he's not A, B, and C, what we need. No, we have to look at the numbers and we got to look at all these other things and make a decision. Okay, you bring up corporation and it's going um, gonna to bring me on a whole trajectory, but I promise it's related to betrayal. Okay. Okay. It 100% does. So when I just mentioned as a, as, a, as, a, as a people how we navigate loss and betrayal, stuff like that, there, there's some experiences that just growing up in America mm-hmm. um, comes with. Yeah. Um, you mentioned corporate that's the reason why I'm an entrepreneur mm-hmm. is when I was in corporate and I'm the last person to ever scream like like I'm allergic to victimization okay in all shape and form even when it's real I'm like it's me and that came from that came from my athletic background mm. so I know people can be a victim but I'm against it in and that's just me okay. in any way, right? And I'm not saying it's wrong or, or, or right or whatever. I'm just talking my personal experience. Yeah. But anyways, this particular corporation that I was working with, I can call their name, call Atlas Copco, because the story that I'm giving is real. It's not me making this. Okay. Okay? It was mostly... Um, a Caucasian working there at the time, and in a specific group, most of them graduated from A&M, Texas A&M. Okay. I know this because they always have a ring. Mm. Most of my manager, stuff like that. There was a, a, a black guy named Sean in the back. It, first off, there, are, there is a giant company, multi-billion dollar company. And I saw a future at this company. I was like, I'm going to be a company man. Mm. I'm going to stay here forever. Okay. They're doing this huge compressors, centrifugal compressors, uh, stuff like that throughout the uni- uh, U.S. And they compete with company like Mitsubishi in industrial. So it's a large company. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, man, I'm going to take this back to the Caribbean. I'm going to use it to help mine uh you know, bauxite oil in Trinidad, bauxite in Jamaica. I see my whole future mm. at this company forever, right? Um, and I was there. Things was going good. I was working hard. I was going from my work ethic was always been because it just come from that immigrant experience. Like mm-hmm. you work hard. Right. Sometimes it's just work hard to work hard. But anyways, was working hard, right? I would go in sometime eight stayed till like 10 o'clock at night it was ridiculous was i never re- i didn't realize this was ridiculous until i was getting tired of the right. job and a friend looked at me it was one of my friend looked at me and said sheldon they worked there too looked at me and said sheldon do you realize that after five you started working for free <laughs> it hit me in my gut mm. i was like that's actually right. the reality but anyways Sean was working in the uh, the back, and he was the main technician mm. for these compressors. They're big as this room, or even bigger. Mm. And some some of his white counterpart was jealous. Um, and the reason why I know this was because they tied a noose over one of his compressors that he was working mm. uh, in, right? So it was a 
it was a racist environment. And the reason why I had to give that whole backstory and lead with the news is because I'm against what some people consider victimization or whatnot. So it was real what was going on. I was making this up. Um, trauma is real. And I know this question <laughs> is like heavy that I'm coming in with, but it's, it's, it's a thing. Okay. And sometimes trauma can come with ancestral Mm. Like, you know, sometimes black people here, they, all they learn about their history is, well, we, we were slave, right? That's where their history begins. Never go beyond that, right? Um, you have individuals who get caught in that cycle, I would say, of this trauma happened to my ancestors mm -hmm. and it may, may have happened to even my great-grandparent. And then they, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, they develop more of a, a, a victimization co complex. In my, in my opinion, that this did happen, but now everything that you see in today's day happening is because of that, what had happened. Mm -hmm. You, you have any thoughts on that? How some black folks internalize that as everything is the white man, and some are like, "Oh man, this happened," but I mean, I have opportunity. I mean, there's mm -hmm. AI, mm -hmm. there's the internet, there's things that can allow me to propel in this life. Why am I going to just always look a hundred years from now and say that's the reason why I I struggle today? Right. So one of the things I mentioned earlier is that, you know, we're not clones of each other, right? And so individuals can have very similar experiences and have a different perception and response to them for a variety of reasons, right? Mm -hmm. um, there is no perfect way to, to, to say, um, well, this person, because we often use it, you know, some people, you know, you have twins that grew up in a house and there's an alcoholic, alcoholic father. One turns out and say, I'll never touch alcohol because I saw what my father did and the other one finds themselves repeating the same cycle. Mm -hmm. So because we are unique, because none of us are the same, we process things differently. Uh, we can get into the like frontal lobe and all of that, you know, yeah, stuff. Yeah, but individuals process things differently. Um, some individuals, it's about what they're exposed to in terms of seeing something that sparks for them that says, oh, there's another way. And I can be that. And I am going to push forward to allow that to not stagnate me but propel me forward where others use that to say, well, it's just not possible because of all of these things that keep happening. And I feel like I don't have the capacity, knowledge, resources to be able to move past what we've always experienced, what they might believe we've always experienced as people of color um, in this country. So the, the, the long or short of it is that people process differently. Um, some will use it as a catalyst to say, I want something different and I'm going to expose myself to people, places, things that are going to allow me to not repeat the cycle because I don't like it. I'm not comfortable with it. 
even if I get told no, even if things don't work out, they just have it in them. Um, other people need guidance to be able to reach that point. They need a mentor. We know why we have mentorship. Some people need mentorship to get to that particular point. Some people have an experience that will propel them forward. And some people will choose to stay stuck because they choose not to be open to the opportunities. Because the opportunities, we see that the capabilities are surrounding us, but if they experience things sometimes in their formative years, right, that says it's not possible, they hear people constantly complain, they see people not working or making an effort, um, then they begin to mimic those things whether it's intentional or not. So if that makes sense. It does. Okay. It does. And I'm going to keep it in that same vein some in another term, which is another type of betrayal, right? And and basically what you just explained, it seemed like um, what we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast is, which is like they call it locus of control, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this happened, no what, right? Mm-hmm. For me... It happened, and I'm like, I don't want to ever experience that again. I did got fired for, for the job, and that that's what kind of kicked me out the door, yeah. but I never wanted to go back. So I told myself, even I have to sell shoes out the back of my truck or whatever, I'm not going back to that because it took away something from me because when that happened, like, imagine you're like one of five black people in an entire office of over a hundred people. Mm. And that happened to one of your just a fellow black person. Yeah. Like the I'm a rebel by nature. Okay. My heart was like, screw this job. I should have got up that same day and walk out the door and say deuces. But I just it just feels icky. Mm. I just sat there in my cubicle black, like, okay. Gotta pay it to pay some bills this month mm-hmm. and it took something away from me yeah. but it it also gave me something in the sense that i know i that can never happen to me again so it gives me even extra motivation mm-hmm. to have freedom freedom of choice right. freedom of a choice because i saw something like that that was so racist that was so devastating happen uh, and i couldn't even do anything because i was chained Mm. by paying my my bills right that is so i guess the financial betrayal people betray themselves financially because <laughs> well, that was me being shackled right a lot of people feel like they are shackled to a, a job because they need a job to sustain themselves in life and they are unhappy and unfulfilled but what does it mean to take that risk on yourself um, to say, I'm going to step outside of this? Because I think we're all gifted to do a lot of things. Um, it's just a matter of do we want to, right? There's somebody that needs to do the mundane task or work for somebody else because there may be more of a a worker, right? They are not necessarily the idea person, right? Mm-hmm, you, ha- mm-hmm. you have people that are the creative people. You have people that are the physical labor people. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody yeah, yeah, has yeah. Their, their different things. Yeah. So... <clears throat> So I think the betrayal of self comes, yes, when you find yourself in a situation and you know that it doesn't align with who you are, your values, beliefs, and you stay. I had to be fired. That's why I said I felt it took something from me. 
somebody else had to make the decision yeah. for you, right? Um, and as challenging as that is to have somebody have your career, your ability to sustain your life in your hands, obviously it also worked out for you, yeah. right? Um, because otherwise you, it's a low probability that you would have done it for yourself. But I'm just trying to empathize because no, I'm I've been run I've been since that experience I've been running making my own income mm-hmm. and I've been, I mean I've tripled and quadrupled the income that I was working a ridiculous hours yeah. there for. But a lot of individual are in that. I'm just empathizing. A lot of individual are in that position and they're just stuck. For me, there were some lucky things that happened. Yeah. Three boss change in like two years. And I had to be re-impressing new bosses. Mm-hmm. So it's by the third boss I kind of gave up. So that's why I got fired. My my production went down. Okay. So I'll, I'll own that. Like I didn't care anymore. Yeah. I was literally at the computer looking for my next job at the job. <laughs> so I knew I was I was done. I was, okay. It was no... The moment that person told me after five o'clock, I was working for working free. For free. Mm-hmm. The most I'd be doing after five o'clock is looking for another job okay. <laughs> okay. on their computer. Right, right. <laughs> okay. So that's one of the reasons why I got fired, which, which, which I'm, again, I'm happy for. But individual are just stuck. Mm-hmm. Why are people so fearful to take a chance on themselves? Well, did they grow up seeing that as an option, right? Um mm. If you saw your parents work for a job for 20, 30, 40 years, and that's what, you know, go to work, then that's what you see and that's what you believe is the standard, right? We no longer no longer necessarily live in a society that says that you have to do that. People change jobs and even careers. They go from being a journalist to a, a pilot to whatever it is that they feel. from being feel. mechanic to being doctors. <laughs> yes. I've seen a, doc- a documentary. So, so it's about saying I, I value this life experience that I have for those that believe they only have one, um, and I want to make the most of it, like making that decision. But sometimes people need guidance in that, whereas other people, like you even needed a guidance. Your guidance was somebody saying you can no longer work here, right? <laughs> so it's not where some people are just naturally inclined to work for themselves and, and have a desire to be free. They're just kind of free people um others require or desire stability right because the fear maybe they saw their parents not having and so they're like i don't want to put myself or my family in a position not to have and this is what stability looks like for me so it looks different for different people so that's also a factor um but in the instance they may be then sacrificing things that they're really passionate about to have that degree of stability i've had conversations with people about that too like this is not what i want but this is what I know and this is what I'm comfortable with. Mm. And in that same environment, it I felt a lot of betrayal because I was putting in the work. I wasn't getting anywhere. Mm. And it was a sales job, but there was no commission. It was silly. I'm not like, that's crazy in me being in sales. Now that you you have yeah, more I'm knowledge, like, yeah, yeah, you're like, like what? what was I doing? <laughs> what was I doing, right? But the thing is, the thing is, another betrayal that it was, this, this one is personal. In that same corporate, it was... No, this betrayal was the even the noose wasn't as bad as even this betrayal. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was traumatized by corporate America. That's why I'm running my own business right. now. 
So you think something could be worse than the noose? Let me tell you what was worse than the noose. Um, I'm like, <laughs> do tell, because I'm... Um... Let me tell you what was worse than the noose. I went to the the, the job, right? As a young, strapping, athletic... Because at the time, I was still running like semi-pro track. Okay. So I was athletically built, just ambitious. Because if you're going to try to work and run track full-time, you're not short and have ambition. Mm. Like, you have it mm-hmm. oozing out your sure, eyeballs. Absolutely. You're ready. So I had that energy about me, like I'm about my business. I would go to practice in the morning, go to work, find ways to practice in the evening because mm-hmm. I, I had a vision, you see? And I just had that aura about myself, you know, go-getter type. And the there was a, a black guy there, um, and I immediately looked to him as a father figure. Immediately, for no reason except that he was probably black. Right, he he looked familiar. Right, there was a sense of familiarity there. Yeah, and I got my heart broken. Mm. I got my heart broken. I felt betrayed, Mm. and it might not even be real betrayal. I was gonna ask. It might not have been real betrayal. (laughs) Did you articulate your expectations? No, that I'm even talking about it. But what happened was this: that individual was there working in a certain way and for me it wasn't I didn't like the way right the reason why at three o'clock he he would take a nap like at his desk okay just out it's just out like just flat out out and I'm like what the hell is this and there I am going from eight to like nine mm. so my respect started waning like from the jump because mm. it's not we weren't on the same wavelength like mm-hmm. to me he was beaten down and that was my perception. Okay. Um, he was beaten down and he kind of just accept his situation. I'm like, I see this inside sales job as just a stepping stone. I'm trying right. to get outside because that's where the big bucks are, right? The reason why I know they're making the big bucks, whenever, whenever time they come in, they're the ones wearing the, the anim rings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're loud and boisterous and all the inside people just kind of look at them like they're Jesus Christ. So I wanted that. Mm. I wanted okay. that. <laughs> and and so I was doing everything to get there. And every time I applied for the job, I would have never got it. So now I'm looking to this guy to kind of give me some guidance as to how to get there. Mm-hmm. And this guy actively tried to sabotage me in every single way he could. Mm-hmm. And I'm not making it up. Like, like you know, your young boy come in and he's not going to get every single skew correct. He might miss a code here or there. He would take screenshot and send them to. He wouldn't even send it to my boss. He sent to my boss, boss, mm. multitudes of time. And I'm like, and I talked to him, and I'm like, what's going on? You, you know, you're not trying right. to help me. And there was another black female there, and I got emotional with her one day at work. I was like, why is he doing this to me? Why, 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 why? And I could never figure it out. And. I don't know what, up to today, I really don't even know why he would, I just kind of chuck, chuck it up and, you know, you know, you put terminologies to it and <laughs> stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, he's just that person. Mm. But in my culture, what he did to me, we call it bad mind. Okay. A bad mind. Like you're envious for no mm-hmm. specific mm-hmm. reason. You have malice for no good reason. Mm-hmm. And that one-on-one thing actually hurt me more than the thing that happened to the guy that I didn't fully know that was in the back because this was in the office Mm -hmm. Um, Mm. 
I got some thoughts. Go ahead. Yes. So in a sense where you're feeling or have the idea of feeling betrayed that from people who you would want to look up to, how do you guard yourself from that? I don't know if that's even the right question. So this goes back to what we talked about earlier in reference to business and betrayal, uh-huh. right? It is you had an expectation and you based on this person because of the similarity in terms of skin tone, he's a man, et cetera, but you didn't necessarily have, look at his history, who he was in terms of his character. Like you accepted him and had you put him on this maybe this pedestal, <laughs> so to speak, and now you felt betrayed because your expectations were not met. He didn't say that that's the role or capacity he wanted to play in your life. You put him there in this instance, right? In this instance, yeah. um, so that the part of the betrayal is... Again, or having the feeling this, of betrayal. The feeling least. of betrayal. Not even had betrayed me. <laughs> that you that you had the right betrayal is like also one malice intent, but also that you know someone says they're going to do something and does polar opposite with the intention of harm. Um, I don't know what his intentions. He's not here, so I can't you know mm-hmm. cannot say. Um, maybe it is you know I want him to be accountable you know and not slack and you know whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. Um, but but the pain for you was you had this internal dialogue (laughs) and made this decision without conversing with that person. And because he did not meet those expectations, you felt hurt. Yeah, big time. Yeah. And that is uh, a a way how, I guess, people have to kind of understand, communicate, I guess, um, what their expectations are. And, and then, I mean, not everybody's going to fulfill the expectation. And I guess you should be okay with that. Right. If I had the life experience that I have now, because this was when my early 20s, mm-hmm. right? If I had the life expectations and the first evening I see him take a nap at three, I was like, oh, we're not on the same wavelength. Yeah. And I would have never, I would have just took him off whatever pedestal I had him on and be like, okay, just stay away from this person because he's going to do whatever he did to me. I probably deserve it because I didn't see the signs. And you didn't talk, Uh, right? You didn't talk to the individual. And even when sometimes people agree to do something, they may have intentions, but how they do it may not align with the way you like for it to be done, which is a whole nother story. That's a whole nother aspect of, of communication and clarity and um, saying that you want something does this person agree? And are they going to do it in a way that you are, can you be okay with them doing it in a way that doesn't align with exactly how you'd like for it to be done? Yeah. And one thing I see, like sometimes people can just forgive. It happened to me before. Like I'd hold on to thing for like a year mm-hmm. or more or whatever. And then I just decide to forgive. What if some, sometimes stuff happens, right? Yeah. And it just, it just, it's like, it's gone. How is that? Is that? I know it worked for me, but what's that phenomenon? I would call it like <laughs> I don't know if it's a phenomenon. I don't know. Um, like, but you have you made a decision, right? You gave whether it's and I wonder sometimes when you say maybe like a year and and that could maybe be flexible. Some individuals tell themselves this is you know they start to practice things right unintentionally they practice. Uh, you know, holding on, allowing yourself to feel the anger, disappointment, frustration, sadness, whatever that is, um, 
you may you do things intentionally. So I wonder what that would involve. That would be a longer conversation mm, yeah, of, yeah. you know, do you slowly distance yourself? Do you cut yourself off for that individual? What is your process for getting to forgiveness? Because it's generally not a, oh, I just decided to forgive, right? Did I find something else to replace it? Like, there, there's a lot of there's nuances like involved than just, just saying, <laughs> I just, I forgive them. Um, and maybe for some people it does, but there's usually some steps. Like, there's someone else that's filling that gap and void in my life where that person, you know, um, existed and, and where maybe they hurt me. I know me. what it was for me. It was mentorship. Okay. I spoke to somebody about it. And they mentored me. Mm. Uh, it was more very similar. I think what happened to me is probably very similar to what happened to my mom. I was mentoring her in a sense to mm. say, forgive, forgive, forgive. Um, I think I got that same reply. And it was her, actually, okay. in, the re in the reverse, mm. uh, mentoring me to just, just let it go, man. So, uh, yeah, this has been... A very interesting. I think I got a therapist session on here, but it's all good. It's all gravy. I gave my disclaimer. I'm it's just here. It's all to talk good. About it. It's all gravy. It was fun. It was fun and exciting. Um, so if you have any where like folks could like reach out to you sure. to kind of get a copy of the book. Mm -hmm. uh, is it fully, fully out yet? Or yeah, well, it'll be done August first and go 1st. to print. Um so this is my Mm -hmm. my test let me look nice. and see and and make some edits it looks great to me but Thank i'm not you. an editor <laughs> let me put up my disclaimer. that's my a-type personality coming into play but gotcha, um gotcha. but bit.ly uh forward slash after betrayal okay so that's where they can get this particular book just to reach out me to me in general you know that's about speaking engagements or even therapy or coaching www.zahara z-a-h-a-r-a rain r-a-y-n-e.com Awesome, awesome. And I see you got some like decks, those little decks. Yeah, uh, those are right. for relationships. Yes, yes, yes. This okay, is um okay. a card deck, cultivating transparency, right? Okay. Um it is in designed to craft conversations for a genuine connection. So mm. for those that are, I like to say, dating, married, engaged, or it's complicated, uh, <laughs> whatever whatever you fit in. Um, interestingly enough, I, I made this for individuals mostly that are dating or um, mm. in the early phases of, of marriage. But I've had quite a few people that have been married for 20 plus years do it and say that it's re been beneficial for them to look at the transition, see what they really know about each other, what they're paying attention to, make some updates, because sometimes when people get married, they get on autopilot and just go, okay. but they don't have um, conversations about retirement and money and yeah. living and Your some, you know, thing. parenting mm -hmm. and religion and spirituality and intimacy and, you know, are you being fulfilled? Or you know, people just do without really having those questions or um, feeling certain. And that goes back to the whole communication aspect. And with these cards, it's not just that you answer the question, but you tell how you got there. What's the story behind your rationale, your thought process? So you can really have an understanding. Because sometimes when people hear no or they hear something that they don't agree with, they're like, oh, you know, they tripping, you know, that yeah, don't make yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. But once they understand the story that's connected to it, it helps them, one, feel connected, um, but also have a better understanding of their person and maybe they can help you know, get to a healthy common ground or common space. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this was highly productive on today. I Thank appreciate you. you coming on. Thank you for having me one, again. One love, one love, <laughs> one love. Awesome. This, yeah, this was fun. Uh, definitely had a little mini therapist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <gravy. laughs> 
Awesome. <laughs>